0: Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hello there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter, connect with me on social media, and join the travel club. You can do it all at TravelingCulturati.com. Well, today we have a great show for you. When you're in the travel industry or a traveler, have you ever wondered what it would be like to own a hotel, to maybe own some of the things that you frequent? Well that's something that we can certainly think about today and I have a special guest that will be on with me later who will talk to us about hotel ownership, how she did it and how accessible it actually is. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now, let's get into some travel news. There is some exciting news coming out of Colonial Williamsburg. They have excavated one of the first known black churches in the United States. This excavation is unearthing a story that has been buried for nearly 250 years. By 1828, over 600 free and enslaved Black parishioners came together to worship here every Sunday. A simple plaque that had just a few sentences marked the place where one of the first known Black churches was established in the United States. Jesse Cole, a white plantation owner, offered up the piece of land for the First Baptist Church to be built in defiance of the law. It was illegal for black folks to congregate during those days. We're just now learning more of this story. In September of this year, Colonial Williamsburg began the excavation. Connie Harshaw, a present day member of the First Baptist Church, now at a new location, Is president of its Let Freedom Ring Foundation. And she says it's important now because they're literally uncovering our history. At this time, in this place, it could not be more important to send the message that we were here and we mattered. Director of archeology span for the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation, Jack Gary says, the site at the first black church founded by and for blacks, and it's here in Williamsburg. That's a pretty powerful story. It's an American story. Black history is American history. American history is black history. It's all in one. Here is a place for us to really, really convey that to our visitors. It's one thing to see it through exhibitions and museums. That certainly is powerful. But to be able to stand in the site, there's always something more powerful about being in the place where it happened. The excavation will be done in phases. At one point, a parking lot had been erected over the site. At one point, a parking lot had been erected over the site. First, they had to bring in machinery to peel off the old concrete slab. And from there, the Colonial Williamsburg team began working with hand tools, shoveling and sifting through the dirt for relics of the past. Architectural debris, like nails, were mixed with personal items like buttons, pieces of ceramic, and remnants of children's dolls. They found an inkwell dating back to the 19th century. And Gary says, we find these objects all over town, but when you put it in the context of a church, it takes a different meaning. They were writing down the births and the deaths of the baptisms. And we think about the ink in that well doing that. So the object starts to give us a sense of the people. We're looking for buildings, but archeology span is really about understanding people. And according to Gary, the first phase of the exploratory, which was designed to see what was there, has been completed. The second phase will be more intensive, will begin in January and will last for a year and a half and it'll be open for the public to see. Colonial Williamsburg has plans to eventually recreate the original First Baptist Church on the site. It will be a place where people from all walks of life can learn about the black families who broke the law to worship more than two centuries ago. And you know, there's another piece of significance here when you think about the church's role in recording births and deaths at the baptisms that occurred there. Because for a lot of Black families, those who suffered through slavery weren't recorded. So we don't have that piece of history. So that is yet another layer of history. This story gives me goosebumps and so excited for it. And I would love to visit Colonial Williamsburg and to stand in that place. Delta Airlines has announced a pilot program for domestic flights. This will be the first of its kind for domestic flights. The pilot program will begin next month using facial recognition technology at the Detroit Metropolitan Wayne County Airport. Now, facial recognition technology isn't new, but this is the first time it's being used for domestic flights. And this is in an effort to work with the Transportation Security Administration to allow for a contactless experience at security checkpoints. Now instead of presenting a physical ID and a boarding pass, eligible customers will pass through security by simply looking into a camera. The first eligible passengers will be those with TSA PreCheck. In addition to having TSA PreCheck, Delta customers will need to have a passport number those who qualify can opt in to the program in Delta's app. And Delta said the program will eventually expand to bag drop and replace the use of a boarding pass at the gate for a faster and virtually contactless experience. Now Delta isn't the only one looking to create a touchless experience at the airport. Earlier this year, the TSA began testing technology with a self-service system to verify a traveler's ID at Ronald Reagan Airport in Washington, DC. Travelers would insert their IDs into a scanner versus handing it to a TSA agent. Also, JetBlue has tested facial recognition software for international flights. Now, when the U.S. Customs and Border Protection announced plans to screen U.S. citizens using facial recognition technology last year, it was met with backlash. Maybe COVID will change that. There's a lot of optimism going around with countries opening their borders and South Africa is one of the more recent countries to do so. President Cyril Ramaphosa has officially opened South Africa's borders to travelers from all countries, yes, including the United States. It's called a significant first step to reigniting tourism in Africa. Why Africa and not just South Africa? Well, it's welcome news by those other countries that are in the region to which South Africa is a gateway, like Zimbabwe, Botswana, Namibia, and Mozambique, all of which have already opened its borders to international travelers, including the United States. But the trick is getting there. And that's why it's welcome news that South Africa has reopened its borders. Now, of course, there will be stringent and what is now standard requirements like testing for any country with open borders. That includes a negative COVID test within a 72-hour window and a completed health form provided by the country. And of course, there's some other protocols that you must follow. You can get that on the country's website. Now, this means that airlines are resuming their flight schedules to the country and beyond. But if you are considering visiting multiple countries in the region, understand the COVID testing and results requirements will apply to each country independently. And this is why some lodges even have already put testing facilities in place. So you must also consider the travel time from origin to destination as flights to South Africa are at least overnight. And if you have a connection through Europe or the Middle East, you may arrive two days after your departure. And of course, the big news is the vaccine. The vaccine is arriving across the United States and in parts of Europe as well. And it could require a COVID-19 vaccine stamp in your passport. Rumor has it that travelers who have had the COVID vaccine would be able to travel more freely. Qantas Airlines has already indicated it would make it a requirement. Other airlines like Korean Air and Air New Zealand have also hinted that they too would consider making proof of a vaccine a requirement. While some are against it, others see it as a necessary measure and compare it to the required yellow fever vaccine when traveling to places like Angola, Ghana, or the Congo. So let's see how this plays out and whether or not I will have to add to my health card. (laughs) Yes, my health card. It's really a thing. And it's been around for a very long time. It's a yellow card issued to you by a travel clinic and it has stamps of all the vaccinations you've had along with their date of issue and expiration date. This is not a new thing. I keep it in my passport holder and I travel with it all the time. And I stay up to date with my vaccinations. So let's see how this all plays out with the COVID-19 vaccine. If all of this excites you and you want to know where you can go or should go in 2021, Resonance, a consultancy group in real estate tourism and economic development, has created a comprehensive annual list of the world's best cities for 2021. Their list ranks a city's diversity, cultural programming, and new this year, its response to COVID and ability to rebound. Chris Fair, president and CEO of Residence Consultancy says, our original goal here was not to just create an index for tourism or just for business or just for livability. It was really to provide and create a ranking that took a holistic view of a city. The list was first released in January and it has been updated to include COVID responses. He adds, when we say best cities, it's not just best city to live in. It's not just best city to work in or best city to visit. It's taking a cross section of all of those factors. In the re-released list, added considerations like COVID response and rebound, outdoor experiences, clean health, and an ability to innovate were added. Those areas they ranked cities on were grouped into six core categories, including place, people, programming, product, prosperity, and promotion. So which cities made the list? Well, I'm gonna give you 10 of them, and this is in order. So starting at the top, the number one city that ranked best was London, followed by New York City, then Paris, then Moscow, Tokyo, dubai singapore barcelona los angeles and madrid are in the top 10. following madrid is rome then chicago yay chicago toronto i love toronto san francisco love that too abu dhabi also in united arab emirates saint petersburg So now you have two Russian cities, Moscow and St. Petersburg. Amsterdam in the Netherlands, Berlin in Germany, Prague in the Czech Republic, Washington DC, my hometown, Istanbul in Turkey, Las Vegas, Doha in Qatar, Seoul, Korea, and last but certainly not least, Sydney, Australia. I find it interesting that Sydney is at the bottom of that list of 25, but there you have it. And a lot of those destinations are some of my favorite, favorite cities. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit the website, travelingculturati.com. Connect with me on social media and join that travel club. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. Have you checked your passport's expiration date lately? Well, if you haven't, it's a good time to take a peek. Even if your passport doesn't expire for months, it's a good idea to start the process for renewal now. Why? Why? Well, many countries have an entry requirement that your passport has validity beyond the last date of travel for that country. That period could be anywhere from 30 days to 60 days and in addition the passport agency reopened with a backlog and minimal staff just a few months ago and the current processing time is between 10 to 12 weeks. Now, They do have expedited service and it's still available however that services processing time is currently four to six weeks according to the state department website and also remember that the expedited service incurs an additional fee. In the event you have an emergency and need immediate international travel, you can make an in-person appointment for a 72-hour turnaround period. So to get full details on your passport renewal, visit travel.state.gov. But the first thing you need to do is pull out that passport, take a peek, and see what date it expires. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. Have you ever thought about owning a hotel? Do you think it's something that is out of your reach? Well, If you were told that it's a possibility, would you want to know more? My guest today is Aquania Escarne, a wealth strategist, speaker, and more recently has added hotel owner to her list of credentials. I'd also like to add that she is Black. To understand the significance of that is to know that according to the National Association of Black Hotel Owners, Operators, and Developers, less than 1% of all hotels are owned by African American women. And according to the Castell Report, Black women are 2.8% of all women shown at the director through CEO levels in the hotel industry. So with that being said, let's welcome... Aquania Ascarnay. Hello, Aquania, and welcome to Traveling Culturati.
1: Hi, how are you doing today? I'm glad to be here. Thank you.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. I was so excited when I came across your story on LinkedIn because the hotel industry is, I would say, pretty much closed as far as industry goes when it comes to not only female ownership but minority female ownership. Those percentages are very, very low, not just in ownership, but also in percentages of CEOs. So I got very excited about your story and being able to meet you. So how did this all come about?
1: It's funny you should ask that. Most people would say totally by accident, but probably fate. I was someone who did a real estate investing summit this past summer with Devon Reeves and Jessica Myers of epic collective and their company helps bring together investors to invest in epic deals they were great to work with over the summer with the summit so I started to build a relationship with them and I actually subscribed to their email list and A few months ago, I had them on my podcast, thepurposeofmoney.com where I talked about investing in a hotel. And at the time, even though I was sharing that information with my audience, I still didn't quite know if I'd be able to do it. And funny thing is a few weeks after their episode, they sent out an email asking everyone on their list, would they be interested in a Hilton investment opportunity? And I missed the email. So I was shocked the second time around that, one, I saw it and that it was still available. And that's when I started to ask more questions as far as what are the specific numbers? You know, what do I need to get involved? I had a goal to get into commercial real estate this year, but I was actually focused on multifamily syndication. So being able to find a deal like this is actually pretty amazing. And a lot of it has to do with the pandemic and how the pandemic actually created opportunities in a time where most people are staying at home. So interestingly enough, able to find a hotel at a deep discount is what happened.
0: For a lot of people at a time like this during a pandemic, people are very reluctant to spend any money. But as you were just saying, it makes it a prime opportunity But certainly, I'm sure you have to have your ducks in a row before you could do that.
1: I have always been an avid saver since I was a kid, and that didn't change when I became an adult and got a career. And I've been saving aggressively with my husband for quite some time through most of our marriage. So I had the money available to take advantage of this opportunity, but I specifically was preparing myself for commercial real estate investing because I had already had in my mind that I would try to do a deal this year and have been looking at some other opportunities prior to learning about the hotel option. So I had the money waiting for the right opportunity. And because it's a pandemic, hotel owners, some of them are struggling, which is unfortunate because we know that this too shall pass and we're hopeful that people will travel again. But in this case, the previous owner of the Home 2 Suites we purchased in El Reno, Oklahoma, was a hotel owner who had multiple hotels. So he was even more encouraged to sell a few of the hotels he had under his ownership because he was more heavily impacted by the coronavirus and lack of travel. But what that meant for us is we were able to acquire the hotel at a discount and take on all the equity because he basically gave us the opportunity to take over the mortgage, which is something that happens in real estate quite often, frankly, when you have an owner who would like to preserve their credit and maybe even their ability to do deals in the future. So they make a deal with a potential buyer and they get the support of the bank to allow you to take over the mortgage, which means you're only having to pay the balance left and not the full value of the hotel, but you get the full value of the hotel once the ownership belongs to
0: you. Wow, and I guess that's why during a pandemic or a major event, an economic event like we're having now really puts you in that driver's seat to be able to negotiate and find investment opportunities such as this.
1: Exactly, and I had more flexibility because I didn't have to buy the hotel, right? and we did it with a couple of other investors, too. So we had the leverage, to be honest, and it paid off for us. These types of deals are rare, but there are plenty of other hotel investment opportunities out there The numbers just may be different. The ability to buy hotels, in my opinion, is more attainable than people believe. And I am now a believer, now that I've done it, and I know that really what it takes is saving because Fortunately, in our case, Epic Collective is what we would consider the asset manager. So they're gonna manage managing the property manager who handles the day-to-day. So as a hotel owner, I do have some interest in the hotel performing well, of course, because the better it performs, the better it is for all of the investors. But I don't physically have to make sure employees show up to work. I don't have to make sure the beds were made because we have a property manager who's actually doing that day to day. And as the investor, we do get insight into the financial performance of the property, but I actually got to visit it as well. So I took the unique opportunity to go to El Reno and meet some of the staff there. And I was very grateful for even doing the visit because that's when I really got to see the greater impact that my investment made. Prior to our ownership, employees at this particular location did not have health benefits, did not have paid vacation time or 401Ks. And as soon as ownership was transferred, they received all of those benefits. And a lot of them were personally grateful for the changes we were able to make. And we've only been owners for a couple of weeks.
0: That's awesome.
1: It's just amazing.
0: That is really awesome. And I want to go back to one of the earlier points that I made that female hotel owners are a minority, especially women of color. And when you look at the dynamics, women in lodging hold only about 5% of even the CEO positions at U.S. hotels. But talking about the benefits and the things that you were just talking about, yet women of color make up the majority of lower level employees, typically. So that's a huge benefit and help in every way that you look at it and really helping in those disparities.
1: Exactly. And that's one of the things that I feel so honored to be able to do. And as a financial coach, I am constantly trying to get my clients to invest more in their 401ks and to build generational wealth through saving and investing. And if you don't have the opportunity at work, a lot of people don't save or are not in a position to because they don't know how. And so that's why I'm so grateful because most people will save a majority of their money in their employer 401k. And now that these employees have one, they also have this opportunity to build wealth and save more than they may have thought to do before or been able to do before, now that these vehicles are in place. And I think that morale is even higher now because when you give these benefits that equalize people in a way they never thought possible, they're still able to come to work and get more joy out of it because they're getting more in return for their service. And now that I am an owner in the hotel and hospitality industry, I realize even more how it's important to treat people even better than the way you want to be treated. I learned that from Devon Reeves who, as a black woman who helped facilitate this deal, she values service highly and she really helped facilitate our understanding because we had several meetings and questions where we could go over the numbers and the pros and cons, you know, what could happen? It's COVID, what happens after COVID? How can we actually ensure profitability out of this deal. And so I will say with any investment you pursue, there's always going to be risk, but it's good to educate yourself on what the possibilities are, whether they're positive or negative, and then make a sound decision based on that information.
0: Now, let's talk about the hotel a little bit more itself, that it was an existing hotel and that the previous owner was looking to sell those properties. So is it a big brand chain hotel?
1: Absolutely. It's a Hilton, actually. And so that gives us another level of standing because people know the Hilton brand, they recognize it, and they may choose to stay there out of loyalty. Some people like to stay at certain hotel brands when they travel. So that's definitely a benefit to us. And we'll continue to keep the Hilton name on the franchise, even though it's owned by this partnership. The other benefit is it's in an area where you have a lot of transit travelers. It's right off the highway in El Reno, Oklahoma, and it has a lot of eatery places around it. So you can stay there, have good places to eat, and have direct access to the highway in the event you are a traveler who's en route to somewhere else, or you may be going to El Reno uh, for work. When I was there, There were several people who were there on long-term contracts because they had construction or other work in the area, and that is the location where everyone chose to stay. So there's a lot of opportunity for us to cater to family travelers, anyone who's doing a road trip, and business travelers as well.
0: Are there any negatives to owning a chain brand franchise?
1: I'm trying to think of what they could be, but I don't know yet. I'm still new. I know personally, one of the perks is being able to also enjoy the benefits of the brand. I know that as an owner, just like if you were an employee of in Hilton property, you get discounts on your own personal travel. We enjoy the same perks as hotel owners as well. But... I guess the downside could be if something happened to the Hilton name per se that could affect us in some way. But so far, I don't know of any. I think it actually helps build your credibility. And then being that there's the Hilton name, Hilton website, it gives you a lot more visibility when it comes to marketing for your location as well.
0: Yeah, because advertising and marketing can be terribly expensive, especially if you have to do it alone. So being umbrellaed into that brand when it comes to general advertising and marketing, I could imagine the savings on that. Are you looking to expand in the hotel ownership arena now?
1: I definitely am. I tell you, I think going there and meeting the employees solidified it for me. I own rentals and as a landlord, one of my frustrations has always been sometimes you get good tenants and sometimes you don't. And I realized as a real estate investor with rentals, I was providing people a safe place to live, which is very important to me. I know how much people value home safety and security. And so I started real estate investing with the idea of giving people a home and then hopefully one day selling that home to the tenants. That was my initial plan I had a roadmap and I had an idea that once we got someone who said they loved the home we would sell it to them and then I would move on to the next venture but I didn't always have a good experience and in some cases I've had to evict tenants for lack of payment and this year I really wanted to do a more passive investing being able to put money into something and maybe someone else is dealing with the day-to-day the good the bad and as an investor, I could reap the rewards through dividends or quarterly payments. In this case, going to the hotel allowed me to see the personal impact where I was changing people's lives. Like I said, being able to give benefits to employees who didn't have them before is something well beyond what I ever expected. But I still get to be passive in that I will get a portion of the profit every quarter, but I don't have to really do the day to day. And I've been working with Epic Collective to look at other opportunities and to find more deals because so far it's been a great experience. And I think it's the way that I wanna invest moving forward.
0: That is really phenomenal. And one other post that you made on your LinkedIn page that really got my attention was that when you talked about getting into hotel ownership, The replies that people made on your LinkedIn page was they were asking you about how you heard about the opportunity and to which you replied, I didn't know so many people were looking to invest into a hotel. Is this the kind of conversation that comes up a lot and now that you're in that arena with people looking for hotel investments and opportunities?
1: Absolutely. I tell you, just sharing this journey has not only increased, The support from fellow people of color, family, anybody who follows me on social has been so supportive. But it has sparked their interest because they didn't think it was possible. They didn't even know that individuals owned hotels. Uh, You know, some people told me I thought only corporations owned hotels. I didn't realize as an individual you could put money into a deal. You could have ownership of a hotel location or brand and really be able to have that kind of impact with your money. And I said, neither did I until middle of this year. And I think now that I see the interest, I've encouraged more people to follow my journey and to participate in the next one. Unfortunately, a lot of these investment opportunities are not advertised to the public, somewhat because there are regulations that say we can't. There's this thought that you want to only invest with educated investors and if you put this on a public broadcast and everyone responded some people would probably give you their last dollar and if the deal didn't work out then they would have negative consequences for that not having more money or wanting to sue or whatever it could be so the sec has regulations in place that will sometimes determine who can invest in these type of ventures they call those accredited and non-accredited investors but now they have been a little bit nicer in the regulations and boosted them a bit so that you can have non-accredited investors in these kind of deals. You still can't advertise it to the public, but you do have to disclose who is accredited and who is not, explain to them what that means, and, and make sure you educate them on the deal. So just for listeners to understand, accredited investors normally have a higher threshold of net worth. They have at least a million dollars in some cases, excluding their primary residence. Whereas the other option is you could be a two income household and you're making about over $300,000 a year and you're expected to make that same amount of money this year when you make that investment. Whereas anyone who doesn't meet that criteria, we would call them a non-accredited investor. I was fortunate in that this was an opportunity that both accredited and non-accredited investors qualified for as long as they were disclosed. So I actually advertised this to people I knew. I knew that were interested in investing in real estate or who had the income and just didn't know where they should or could invest it. And so I'm glad that I did that because I had two additional black women who joined me in the deal. So there's the three, including me, three women that are owning this property in addition to Epic Collective, which is two black women who are also considered owners as their role in asset management and facilitating the deal. So that in itself is amazing, the impact we've been able to make, the women we've brought to the table. And by sharing my journey publicly, I've also gotten more people following me and I promise the next deal that comes up, I will share with my email list. And I'll do that as much as I can and that you legally can to get more people into hotel ownership.
0: That is truly awesome because I do think that probably the majority of people just feel that that kind of capital is out of their reach or something that they don't have. And so this type of investment is also out of their reach. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't do your due diligence or have your, as I said earlier, ducks in a row and your financials in order. But listening to your explanation of things and your education of things, it does put things a little bit more in reach if you are properly set up to do so.
1: I want to encourage people to understand there's more than one way to approach it, right? In my particular situation, I've stayed for a very long time to have options, right? And I've always advocated it's important to save and invest because you need a better return than a regular bank account is gonna give you, but you also want to have your money work for you. But you can partner. I've done real estate investment ventures with family members. I have worked within my network to partner on opportunities. So you don't always have to be the person who does the heavy lifting and comes up with all the money. Sometimes. You need to work with other people. But my caveat to saying all of that is whenever you partner with someone, you need to make sure you know all the risk and you outline each person's responsibilities in the partnership. Even with family, I do a joint venture agreement. We outline the financial responsibilities, the administrative responsibilities and anything else that'll come up in the deal before it happens. We even try to plan out how we resolve disputes so that when real disputes happen, we don't have to fumble our way through a solution. We have it written down. We know exactly how it's supposed to work. And we have our tiebreaker person if there's a tiebreaker needed for a vote. But that's really one way to do it. And so it becomes even more attainable because instead of coming up with say $50,000 by yourself, you get five people to come up with 10,000 or two people to come up with 25. And I think people don't think about that because they always imagine they have to do it on their own, but that's just not true. You can do it with someone else and it's actually better when you do it that way because you come up together, you celebrate together and you win together.
0: Yes, and I love your whole career history, beginning as a diplomat for the United States Department of State in 2008 and serving in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. But doing so, that's when you realized how many working professionals, including your own colleagues, just weren't prepared for an emergency or unexpected life event. And we are certainly in one now. (laughs) And I know this isn't specifically regarding hotel ownership or investment, but Is now really a bad time to start, or what should we do during this time?
1: This is the greatest time to evaluate where you stand. In the beginning of the year, I have so many new clients coming to me to review their finances. Some people who I had talked to two years prior or a year prior and tried to encourage them to implement some practices in their financial habits that would put them better off in the future. They just weren't ready or they didn't have the time. We have been told and forced to slow down as a nation and worldwide. And that slowdown has really had people thinking about what they should be doing or spending less money and now they have extra income and they're like, what should I be doing with this income? So right now is a good time to do an assessment. It's the end of the year. So it's also a great time to do tax planning, to look at, you know, did you pay enough taxes this year? Are there more things you can deduct? And where are some places that you can benefit by investing more? For example, your work 401k plan. If you are not maxing it out, but you wanna reduce your taxable income, maybe you should put more into that before the end of the year. These are things that you can do throughout the year preferably, but you can start to review them at the end of the year as well. And when you're doing that overview, you can also look at how much do I have saved? Do I have three to six months saved for an emergency? Do I have enough income? I know some of my clients don't make enough money and they know it because every month they're struggling to pay one bill and this and another, but sometimes they don't know how to make more money. So you have to learn passive ways to make income or how to monetize some of your skills. Before I was into real estate investing, before I sold life insurance, before I was a financial coach, I was a financial writer. Why? Because I liked writing and I liked talking about money. So I went on websites, posted a resume about my writing skills and got writing gigs, paid writing gigs. So I think there's always a way to make extra money. I think people just need to learn about the opportunities and they need to be fully aware of what their goal is. I hope your audience really gets a lot out of this just because when you get your finances in order, it opens the doors to so many other opportunities and it shows you what you can do with your money and how you can leave a legacy. So I think if everyone just takes note of where they are and starts to make changes, that's going to help everyone.
0: And how do we follow you?
1: I am on Instagram at The Purpose of Money. I'm on Twitter at Purpose underscore money and also on Facebook at The Purpose of Money. My website is thepurposeofmoney.com where I share money tips to help women build generational wealth. And I also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen, including Pandora, called The Purpose of Money. So check it out. I'd love to hear from anyone who really got value out of this episode. Connect with me on any of my DMs, on any of the social media platforms.
0: Well, Kwania, thank you so much for joining me today. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, TravelingCulturati.com. Go ahead and check it out. And while you're there, follow us on social media and join that travel club because soon we will be going places again. (laughs) Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. Hair is our crowning glory. From straight to coily, our hair requires care, time, and commitment, especially when we travel. Joining me for a hair chat is Galen Rose, a 38-year hair industry veteran. And Galen has worked in major hair salons in the Chicago area, ranging from stylist to manager and Owner. She also has done my hair for many years. Mm -hmm. Well, hello, Galen, and welcome.
2: Hello, hello, and thank
0: you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. You know, hair, especially when you're talking about Black women, (laughs) is Mm -hmm. a whole different story. And we love our hair, and our hair has many varieties and different textures and all sorts of things. But certainly, Let's be honest, sometimes our hair can be challenging for us. I know for myself because I'm, you know, natural, which means my hair reacts to the elements. So right. I always have to be prepared when it comes to my hair. So the thing that I love about it is versatility, it's different textures at different times are the same things that pose challenges for me. Exactly. (laughs) So with the many types of hair, why do we have to think about our hair before we go on vacation?
2: You want to enjoy your vacation. You don't want to spend all the time in your room styling your hair or figuring out what happens next. So you want to have some protective styles sometimes, braiding it, or you want to take what I call my vacation cap, a wig, or Just a curly style, but something that's going to enable you to enjoy your day or your days, however how long you're gonna be on your vacation. You just don't want to spend all that time in the room.
0: Yeah, that was gonna say the very first thing is what you said. You don't want to spend your vacation doing or worrying about your hair and you wanna look fly all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges that we face?
2: taking flat irons or curling irons
0: or blow dryers and shampoos and conditioners and rollers
2: or flexi rods and what to take? What do you need to take and what can you leave at home?
0: Yeah, certainly all of those things that you have to take are challenging because they take up space in yeah. your luggage and that's no fun. I remember the days I used to pack up the curling iron when I relaxed my hair. And I did spend a lot of time, certainly back then, there weren't a whole lot of options for us. And I'm so grateful for the many options that we have today. I also remember that security in Germany pulled me aside because of the way my curling iron looked in my bag on the uh, screen. (laughs) They thought it was a weapon. (laughs) All of the products that we have to take if we don't think about our hair in advance are certainly challenging. For example, if our hair is processed or relaxed, what do we think about?
2: Well, one of the major things you want to consider, especially if you're going into an area that's really hot, is you want to cover your hair during the day. You need some hat scars, something that's going to cover it to keep it away from the heat. It can dry your hair out if you have highlights or if you're bleached up, because, you know, platinum is kind of in right now. It can really dry the hair out. So you want to cover it up.
0: So when we're saying process, it's not just relaxed, but it's also if it's color or stripped of color. Now, I have red hair, and I've been a redhead for many years now, I know one of the challenges for me is certainly either bringing my own shampoo or being mindful of what products I use. This one time I shampooed my hair using the hotel's shampoo, and the tub was full of red dye. Yeah. (laughs) So how do we combat that?
2: Well, you want to bring something with you, especially for you. So if you have red hair, and red hair does fade quickly. And if you're in the sun, that speeds up the process. So there are a lot of shampoos now for color-treated hair that have color in the shampoo, but definitely in the conditioner. So you want to bring that with you, and that helps with the color. Now, one thing you can do is you can co-wash your hair, which is just really rinsing it well and running the conditioner through. Sometimes you don't actually have to shampoo.
0: For our natural sisters and we're traveling, what should we consider to make sure we have the best hair care and styles?
2: So what you use at home, I mean your daily maintenance or your weekly maintenance, sometimes monthly, you want to lay that out before you go and depending on your hairstyle that's what you want to bring with you. But you also just want to take a travel size and remember travel size. Even if you have to double up with is it two or three ounces now, you might want to take two bottles of two ounces or three ounces of shampoo and or conditioner. You don't want to run out. But this is something that you can also keep in your carry-on bag.
0: And is there something in particular for the natural hair care that you just don't want to leave home without? Definitely a conditioning shampoo.
2: So whatever you're using at home, if your stylist has suggested something in particular, you want that. A palmate is always good to have that with you. And if you're wearing it curly, if you're using Tracy Ross's pattern, and no, I don't work for her, but it's a really good product. But whatever you might be using, Design Essentials, they have an avocado cream that's excellent for keeping the hair curly and moisturized. So something like that, you want to make sure that you have it. You don't necessarily have to take like a spray leave-in conditioner, but the creamy ones are good. Can I give you a side note? Absolutely. Everybody ends up with like a whole Walgreens and CVS underneath their sink.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. When you don't like it, save your receipt. You can return it. You can't take forever to return it. And it can't be three quarters of the way empty. <laughs> so within a reasonable amount of time and product usage, you can actually return it with the receipt.
0: Now, what about the elements? Because, you know, when you travel, you really have to be prepared for a variety of weather conditions. So, you know, we're talking about rain, for example. Yeah. The sun, of course, dry and cold. How do we prepare for the elements that can affect our hair?
2: Well, if it's raining, if you can take an umbrella, that's great. But sometimes it can be a little cumbersome, even though they're making them so they're, collapsible, which is nice. But a rain cap, a black owned company called Pop and Go. can fold those little puppies up in your purse, but they cover long hair and they cover short hair. So something that's going to cover you that you can squeeze out. As far as your hair, if you're not taking your hat off, your hair is smooth, you can wrap it. If not, you know, maybe you want to try pulling it back in a cute little chignon or something like that. But You definitely want to make sure you have a rain cap, a rain bonnet, umbrella. If it's cold and you have a skull cap or just a wool cap of some sort, if it does not come with a satin or acrylic lining, you want to add one and that will keep the wool from pulling out your hair.
0: What about those vacation activities? And the two that really come to mind for me outside of just the elements is swimming, whether it's the ocean or the pool. So we're dealing with either salt or chlorine. If
2: you're in salt water or chlorinated water, you're going to have to shampoo it. So if you're not wanting to style your hair, then you want to consider great, Be the individuals or cornrows to your head. But yes, you're going to have
0: to shampoo it Either. it. And condition it, of course. And so, with either of those, it's just best to get that salt and that chlorine out of your hair as soon as possible. Yeah. And the other activity is exercising because you know we want to stay in shape when we're away. I mean, it's the same thing we have to deal with when we're at home. But at home, we have everything that we need and that we normally use. But when we're traveling, how do we protect our hair with exercising? If you know, we're not washing it every day. Well, if
2: it's smooth, then you want to wrap it or cover it kind of tightly while you're exercising, you do not have to, like, straighten it out with a blow dryer. You could actually try to leave it in a wrapped state and use a cool dryer just so you can cool your body down, which will cool your head down. At that point, then you can comb your hair down. But if you comb your hair when your body's hot, it's going to puff up.
0: What are those go-to items we should have in our travel bag?
2: As far as hair is concerned, again, you want to use the travel size. Try really, really hard not to take the large one because you can do what I did and forget about it and put it in your carry-on and then you have to spend $30 on sunscreen. You don't want to do that. Um, So you definitely want to do the travel size, but you need your shampoo, conditioner, whatever moisture you use for your daily use. And if you need to have more than one bottle of it, do that, Palmade, maybe a leave-in conditioner. If you're pulling your hair up, not an actual rubber band, but the covered band.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If you want to pull your hair up a lot, the really pretty decorative combs, those clips, unless you travel a whole lot like you, Jujabon, you probably have these things together. But if not, you want to lay everything out. And think about what you might use more than once. So you don't take too many, but you want enough that you can change your hair up. You don't get bored.
0: And I love that tip to lay everything out and kind of think about your routine and what you're going to need and not need and based on whichever hairstyle, whether it's protective or not, that you bring along with you. So if you want
2: a wig, you want your wig there. If you add a ponytail, you want your ponytail there and whatever you need to make that work.
0: Lay it out. And I do that in my normal packing because it helps you visualize everything that you have and see what you're missing. So that is an excellent tip. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and giving us some wonderful tips on our hair goals for vacation because it is very important because of course we have to get those instagram worthy photos and your hair has to be right (laughs) (laughs) for you to get those so again galen rose and what is your contact information
2: i am at mari marshi hair salon at 5229 south woodlawn in chicago And I can be reached at 773-968-4368.
0: And say that one more time, the phone number?
2: 773-966-4368.
0: Again, Galen Rose, thank you so much for joining me today. You're more
2: than welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen.